the free for all roundtable round one on round one today let's say good morning to mark warner international trade lawyer laura babcock with power group communications jason agnew news talk 1010 host and the guy who reminded me momentarily or moments ago via text that apparently jason i've killed off a member of queen yeah, you did, John. He's just retired. And I mean, once you retire, you don't necessarily die. Mm. Uh, no, you had said that. So Roger Taylor and Brian May are still playing. John Deacon is still alive. He's just retired. So I there were four forget. members. I had forgotten all about him. I have to confess. <laughs> all right. So uh, future of the gardener. People are raising questions. And uh, let me start with Mark Warner, because you actually can probably see the gardener from where you live. Um, is this a debate to be rekindled or should we just do what we do in Toronto and say, no, it's a plan, do it. Well, I'm inclined to, to let it go. I mean, I, I, I never, I, I never was a huge fan of taking it down. Cause I, I, I knew it would end up being very costly to take it down much more costly than people imagine it would be. So this is not a surprise, but you, sometimes you have to just go with the flow, I guess, and, and, uh, and get on with it. And, um, so that would be my take on it. But I, I think it should be a lesson to people. You don't, you know, the advocates who for these sorts of uh, urban renewal schemes, they always understate what it's going to cost. They, yeah. It's just pie in the sky, rosy stuff. And, and that's, you know, part of how they sell things, I guess. Well, Laura Babcock, some people are whispering in my ear. And let's face it, everybody right now has an agenda because there's a mayor's race on. Uh, some people are insisting that this is a wedge issue that would work on behalf of Josh Matlow, that he opposes, you know, the refurbishment of of the gardener and restoration of that entrance and exit. And he would run on it the way David Miller ran against the expansion of the island airport. Yeah, it's politics, of course. I mean, we're talking about a $50 million project that's been in the works for quite a while. It's always been controversial, but as soon as there's some sunlight available with something like a major mayor's race in a city where the mayor has, you know, strong mayor powers, of course, opponents to the project are going to see this as a window. And I would expect it would become a wedge issue, whether it's just against Josh or whether it becomes the talking point for somebody who's running to, you know, continue with the project. It's a lot of money. It's highly visible. It's been contentious for years so yeah wedge issue for sure jason agnew your thoughts well the interesting about this thing is about this john is that you know you mentioned that a lot of people don't use it but it has backed up traffic into the city as well because the repercussions of it are the jarvis exit that now lines way way back onto the garter in order to get into downtown uh and then you're also looking you said you go up on the dvp as well so there 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 are issues um but i'm a guy who lives in etobicoke so i don't see it all that often i would be very curious to hear more from people in that area do they want that access way or do they want their neighborhood to remain a little bit more calm which it is now pierre polyev in vancouver said he'd like to sue big pharma and make them pay for people's drug rehab laura i'll start with you on this one it's not surprising to me that pierre polyev doesn't like safe injection sites and stuff like that but the fact that he wants to sue major corporations to make them pay for addictions seems a little unconservative it has it has kind of the tone to me of you know we're going to build the wall and Mexico is going to pay for it just in terms of the fact that 
even if there's class, election, uh, class action lawsuits, and of course Mark can speak better to the legal side of this, it could take years and years to recoup that kind of money. But what this really boils down to is he has done videos about the hell that it is. He's against these sites and he's doubling down on it now. And he's saying, you know, we've got to, it's failing, right? Everything in Canada is failing according to Pierre Polyev. And so, you know, what are we going to do? We're going to rip apart the system as it is. What are my policy solutions? Well, I don't really have them, but, you know, let's sue Big Pharma because it sounds good. And we're seeing big lawsuits against pharmaceutical companies in the U.S. around the opioid crisis. So this is another talking point. It's another soundbite. It works really well if you're doing populist politics, but is there solid policy data and solutions behind it? Doesn't sound like it. Jason Agnew, I, I get, I guess, the logic of suing the big pharma companies. It worked in the States and they had to come to a settlement over fentanyl, but I just, I see it as a bit of a non-starter in Canada. Yeah, what works in the States doesn't necessarily work here. And I mean, you talked about suing Buffalo Wild Wings for mm. something earlier as well. I mean, th lawsuits can get very ridiculous. What I think is happening here, though, is Laura just mentioned it's another soundbite. And again, I always say when we're in these roundtables, we exist in a bit of a bubble. We're absorbing all of the news, but most people don't. And if they hear a soundbite and then see who's saying that soundbite, maybe on uh, the eventual election day, that is the key issue that has them. And he has to go outside of his conservative base in order to make headway. Okay, and Mark Warner was mentioned, of course, you are a lawyer, so maybe you'd have more insight into the wisdom or efficacy of suing Big Pharma to pay for rehab. So, I mean, there are two thoughts I have on this. I, 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 I did do a little bit of work around one of these kinds of issues when I was in the Ontario government. So I, have a, my, 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 uh, I look out for these stories when they appear, and frankly, that means more often than not in Canada, I look out for the stories when they don't appear. And that always surprises me. Even when the provincial governments are suing in American courts, the pharmaceutical the companies, it gets almost zero coverage. Uh, Canadian reporters will talk about the top line about the suits in the United States, right? But do they talk about the fact that various provinces are actually involved in those suits in the United States? No, it's the weirdest thing to me. I, I guess, as both an American and a Canadian lawyer, I don't see this as a conservative or liberal issue. I just don't. It's not a conservative or liberal issue in the United States. So it's weird that people characterize that as an anti-conservative viewpoint in Canada. Um, it's the same thing as the big tobacco lawsuits in the United States that weren't particularly tied to any particular party. So I, I do find the Canadian response to this weird. I, what Polyev does this is a different issue. I don't, I don't really get his politics. But, but, um, but suing in principle... I would say it's about time somebody actually picked it up as an issue because it's been sitting there on the table looking kind of weird that we're not interested in that issue. I, I just don't really get that. So what he does with it, I don't know, but um, yeah, happy to see somebody at least giving light to it. Uh, new poll finds Quebecers are more likely to have unfavorable views of all religions than the rest of Canada, but I don't think that's the real takeaway. It's that nationally people don't seem that much enamored of uh, faith and organized religion anymore. Uh, Jason Agnew, what are your thoughts? As a guy who went to Catholic school for 15 years, I am a lapsed Catholic. I mean, I, I, I look back at history and religion caused a lot of wars. And my whole theory on life now is, hey, just don't be a dink to other people out there and you should be OK. Uh, Laura Babcock, I think most people know my somewhat bizarre record, which was raised in the church, walked away, now agnostic. And yet somehow my entire life seems to be uh, I'm surrounded 
visited by uh, priests and cardinals, and I can't walk by a church with going, without going in. So um, I don't have a negative impression of organized faith. Well, I'm a recovered Baptist fundamentalist child, right? So <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any good feelings about organized religion in so much, uh, unless it's helping with the marginalized by organizing, you know, soup kitchens and stuff. I've seen it being more deleterious than helpful. People can find some solace in their faith. And certainly I am having lunch with our friend Michael Corrin soon. <laughs> you know, I find myself still having people of religious faith and the profession in my life. So I'm not against the people who participate in religion, but I'm not surprised that Quebecers uh, who have seen a whole lot of headlines, right, and controversy around religious symbols in their province and the rest of Canada, we're kind of moving away from it. I feel like the more access we have to science, the less we're into, you know, that big friend in the sky. An aspect of this, though, Mark Warner, is not just about, well, I was raised Catholic, but I don't practice anymore. Uh, Quebecers, 52% of Quebecers hold an unfavorable view of Islam, and 32% have unfavorable views of Judaism. That's a little worrisome. It is. I, 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 these kinds of polls, I, I, I always want to go down and figure out what they're really, what they're really polling about, whether it's the religion itself. I, I do think though that, you know, religions that have visible attributes, and I know this is one where I, I listened to you over the years about this. I, I, there's a little nuance needed here. I think there's a difference. It seems to me between a small crucifix that someone wears on their neck and some of the more overt attributes of religiosity that we see. And I know that sometimes in English Canada, people tend to drop them all together. Well, they're just religious symbols. They all have religious symbols. Well, I do think there's something different between that kind of overt expression that makes people feel uncomfortable. I I don't know as a, as a, as a reminder of things for their past. And so I, I could see that. I mean, we lived in Quebec, I lived in Quebec, I lived in France. I, I do think that this discussion in, sec in, uh, in secular laic societies is different than in sort of Anglo-Saxon English culture. It not necessarily means the same thing that we might think it means if you were polling people about their attitudes about the individual community group members as opposed to the religion themselves. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to relitigate the whole business of the Quebec anti-religion law, but I, I would offer, Mark, that you know, uh, if a guy, if if it's voluntary, even if it's a burqa, if you, if nobody's making you wear it, then I really don't care, and I don't care if you want to wear a turban either. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't. I'm uncomfortable with it. I know, even living in New York, and uh, when I was there, I didn't particularly love going into Brooklyn, not just because I didn't like seeing, you know, the people wearing the, you know, the no the outfits of the Polish noblemen of the 17th century, the Hasidic Jews wear, or the Arab, the Muslims who would wear that. So I, I do understand why those kind of overt displays of religiosity make people feel uncomfortable. Has nothing to do with whether you whether you what you think of Jewish people or people who are of a Muslim faith. It's just that secular people, I think, can sometimes find that degree of religiosity uncomfortable. Um, what do you make of this story? It's not exactly a debatable, but I just uh, people have found it very, very compelling. Uh, a story about the families of dead people who are trying to figure out how to unlock their phones. Uh, Jason Agnew, you're one of the younger members of our team, uh, so I guess you could get the fact that your phone is pretty well your brain. 
Oh, thank you for calling me young. Um, actually, you know, John, I just had this situation uh, happen with my mom passing last year. Now, I did have access to her phone, but earlier in the show, you talked about social media. And I did not have access to her Facebook, nor did I want her small following on Facebook to live on beyond her. And I had to go in and try to figure out how to shut down that Facebook account. And actually, as someone related to her, it wasn't a super hard process. I went in, uh, filed a this person has passed report provided a death certificate and that account was closed down within 24 hours wow and laura babcock you know 20 years ago if you said they'd have to open a casket so somebody could activate a cell phone it would it (laughs) would have perplexed us to say the least yeah, the funeral service provider described it as grisly, um, which, you know, given the role that they have sometimes with embalming, I found that a little bit of a of a surprise characteristic. But the the fact is that now in funeral service, if you pay for it, you can have the directors as part of their role, not only provide you with ample certificates of the death, uh, as Jason said he had to use, but they'll also help with that process, right? Uh, and I know for myself, you know, even, even taking down those Facebook pages or presence or whatever, you still get your deceased relative coming up in old feeds and reminders and comments, right? It's quite, we live in in quite a strange space where deceased isn't like it used to be where you had to visit them at the funeral and look at some pictures. They they can come back into your life in voice and all kinds of different things now. So I just think we're we're coming into a different era of how we interact with people who have passed. Okay. And Mark Warner, are you going to leave your cell phone to me? Why not? <laughs> as long as you leave me your uh, bank account, you that's, that's, a good, that's a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think we'll leave it there. Thank you all. Um, and my thanks to Jason Agner, Laura Babcock, and Mark Warner. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.